All right. Welcome back. You sound a little different too. A little bit. This is exciting. Um, we got some new mics and uh, we've got a little uh, uh, little outboard gear to record. So this is the first test of, uh, of being on this, on this new setup. I like it. <laughs> so do I. It feels so professional. Like, yeah, it it feels it feels better. There's there's still some jankiness to, to this yeah. mic stand that I'm using. <laughs> there could very easily be like some duct tape and paper clips on this thing, but it's okay. It's all right. You know how many churches duct tape mics and uh, things to stands. We're just keeping the, the tradition going. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't have a, a, a theme or a topic in mind. Um, I told Adrian on Sunday after church or before church, let's just turn on the mics and start recording and see where this goes. Bringing it back to how I felt in the gym and Letting God just move in, in relationship. Yeah, that was so cool, right? Because we'd we'd start working out, we'd get together and and um, and we'd meet meet in your garage. And there was never an agenda. There was never like, oh, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. Or it was just, hey, this is what's going on. And yeah, there were always like rabbit trails. Like we'd yeah. start on one thing and we'd end up on something else, but it seemed like God always, like out of all that craziness, God always kind of uh, brought us together on a theme. So by the time, you know, we were done with our workout, there was, there was a theme, there was a very clear theme. It would yeah. start really messy and confusing and, no, oh yeah, we're just chatting. We're just, but by the end, there was, it always felt like there was something God wanted us to talk about that day. Yeah. And that was always really interesting to see. Yeah. Man, I miss those. Like, I can't wait to get back into a, a position where I have my, my setup back. And mm -hmm. that's one thing that I'm, I'm learning to get comfortable with is whatever this season is, this in-between, this interim, because I'm not on my, my typical... Um, like structure, uh, it's hard for me because I want to like, I want to be able to walk out into my garage and work out, uh, wake up earlier. Like I can't do that right now. Like I have to, on Mondays and Tuesdays I have the kids. And so I just can't leave the house to go to the gym. So I have to wake up later than usual, get them prepared, get them off to school and then go to the gym by that time, it's like, you know, by the time I'm done, it's 9 30, 10. And I could do so much more with my day. Um, You're having to find a new routine. Yeah. You had a routine before, and now it's like everything's flipped, and Blown you're up. trying to, okay, what does a routine look like now? And it probably takes a little while to, to establish that new routine. Yeah. Starting something new sucks sometimes. And that's what I'm having to get used to right now. Because I'm structured. I love structure. Actually, I was thinking about that on the way in this morning as I was coming up here. 
like what what is it about structure that I love so much? Hmm. But I and and I process that thinking. A lot of it is because I'm a type A personality. I'm just a go, 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 get it done. And if I don't have something to look forward to, I feel like I'm wasting my life away. <laughs> I feel like I could be doing so much more. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever have times where, uh, like when you go on a vacation or you have time off or where there's like a whole day where there's not really an agenda. Do you ever have times where you're just like, Hey, I'm just going to be. When I'm on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can like, I can completely unplug and just go with the, um, that's typically how I vacation is like, I'll just go with the flow. I don't need to plan things. If I feel like going and doing something, I'll go do it. So if you're on vacation, you don't feel like you have to have structure. No. I don't want structure when I'm on vacation. So if you were to go to, okay, so I'm just curious here. So if you were to go to like Disney World, uh-huh. um, are you going to be looking at the map and planning out what you're going to hit and when you're going to hit it and when you're going to do lunch? Are you going to are you going to create like an itinerary on paper or in your head for how you're going to spend your day at Disney World? Absolutely not. No. And and it's funny because me and my ex, we were very much alike in that. I even told her, man, I love traveling with you because I don't have to, like, we don't think about what we're going to do for the day. We just wake up, especially at Disney. And with little kids, like, you got to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't gone to Disney with, like, older kids, or maybe that might be a requirement because they want to hit whatever specific rides. Uh, but we just kind of went with it. Like when we started seeing the kids melting down, we're like, okay, maybe it's time to go get some lunch. <laughs> maybe it's time to just take a break, head back to the you know Airbnb and let the kids nap. Um, and we always go to Disney like in April because of my Riley's birthday. We usually spend it in, in Disneyland. And, uh, and there's always the food and wine festival going on. So like when we're, if the kids are starting to get to a point where like we need it, they need to take a nap. Well, mom and dad can go across (laughs) to the other park where they're selling liquor (laughs) and have a drink and let the kids sleep in the, you know, the stroller. And, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, yeah. When it comes to vacationing, I can totally unplug it. Unplug and just kind of let things flow. Do you need structure on your vacation? Um, I don't know. Like, yes and no. Yeah, It's interesting because my mom and dad are, are very different. My dad, very, very structured, very regimented. He was in the military. He likes having an itinerary. He likes knowing, you know, he's of the mindset of early is on time, on time's late, mm-hmm. which, which I love. I kind of get that. And my mom's more of a free spirit. Let's just kind of wing it and play it by ear. Um, so I'm the product of both of those. Yeah. So do I need structure? Well, it depends on the day. Like, <laughs> so, like some days, oh man, I'm going to do everything very structured. And I heard, uh, you know, someone shared a long time ago and it stuck with me. Uh, structure increases capacity. Oh, 
And I love that. It's like, actually, Pastor Ross said that. I remember him saying that, and I took it down. It's like, man, this is so good. Structure increase, increases capacity. And I guess the way I think about it now is there's some days where the capacity for everything I want to get done is really important. I really want to get a lot done. So I need the structure. But there's other days where I just want to be. I just want to. I want to be and I want to relax and I want to enjoy the day and savor everything around me. And, you know, I just want to go have lunch with Paula and maybe we catch a movie or two and just relax. So it's like, I think they both have their place, but um, yeah. So I guess it depends. I don't, I don't always need structure, but I do, I do see the value and I do use structure a lot when I need it. When you first told me about structure brings capacity, or what, how, how do you say it again? I think the way that he put it was structure increases increases capacity. The first time you told me that, that stuck with me. And I use that on my teams all the time. Because they would come to me and be like, hey, Alex, I'm struggling with getting... I'll just give you an example. Like in the HR world, there's policies and procedures and process and... Um, to a CEO, they think they should all be done like in a sales capacity where HR is very driven around people behaviors and things like that. But there were moments where there, my team would come to me and say, hey, I can't, you know, I can't get in, you know, five calls a day on top of everything else that I'm doing. And I would quote that. And then I would, challenge them with, well, where are you not putting enough time in terms of structuring your day, whether it's prepping or not having a list of goals, you know, what you need to get done throughout the day and when to get those done, where you have the opportunity to leave yourself open to go do the other minutia that you need to. And I would start to see them perform better. Because it would challenge them to start thinking about where am I lacking in my everyday things, process or structure. Um, that that that's pretty powerful, and I even use it. I mean, I tell myself that all the time, and some structure, and mm-hmm. I need that. Uh, but I've seen that play out weirdly in like a really powerful way on people. And I'm sure Ross meant it for, well, actually, I don't even know. Well, I think it's one of those, those universal truths. I mean, I think that it's wisdom from the Bible that we get or that we see or observe. Um, and it isn't, I mean, there's, there's truths and there's wisdom like that that isn't confined to a, a, a certain context. Um, yeah, maybe it was, maybe he mentioned it. I think he mentioned it in a message or a Sunday service or something, but those things aren't restricted to, oh, this, this is just talking about your spiritual life or this is talking about your relational life or your professional life or whatever. Um, and that's the beauty of things of wisdom like that is that we can apply it a lot of different places. I can apply it at work. I can apply it to my marriage. I can apply it to my diet, to my to my fitness, I mean, there's, there's any number of places that you can apply good wisdom. It's 
um, it's kind of universally applicable. But like most things concerning with, you know, concerned with wisdom, it's like, um, when does it make sense to do that? Like I was saying for me, sometimes structure is very, very important and I need it. But there's other times where um, structure would stifle what, what I want to experience. If I just want to spend a day of rest with, with Paula and we just want to just enjoy being together and watch a movie or go for a walk or, you know, drive down a country road and get lost, mm-hmm. uh, structure really, really wouldn't serve that situation the same way. So, yeah, it's good, but context is important and um, knowing when to use certain things like that is important. At least for, for me, it is so yeah. that way. I think that's true. I've, I mean, I'm, and I'm only speaking for my career. Like I've seen too much structure harbor my ability to get things done quickly. <clears throat> because I'm so structured that sometimes I'm like, over, I overprocess things. And then, then I just burn myself out. because I'm trying to get everything done the right way the first time because that's just my personality. But then it'll take me like two times longer to get something done because I'm like, well, the first step wasn't done correctly. So I have to make sure that that's completed and then, you know, kind of go down the route. Uh, And that's hurt me. (laughs) That's the other thing that kind of related to something we talked about before. I think sometimes, um, I could see how someone could rely too much on structure to the point where if the structure isn't complete enough, they don't take action. So, so if they're not able to see like their, their, their whole itinerary for, for a day or a week or a month, it's like, I don't want to get started yet because I don't know what the whole roadmap is going to look like. So in that case, it's like, okay, we took this thing that should be good and it becomes an obstacle to us getting started. So, oh, I don't want to get, and remember we talked about that thing where, you know, God, I'm not going to take that first step to get to that other place Mm -hmm. until I can see the clear path from here to there. But sometimes God's like, just just take, take the first step. I was talking with um, Darren about, um, some of this stuff, and I think we were talking about, he, he mentioned um, the Indiana Jones movie. I can't remember which one it was, but there's one Indiana Jones movie where I guess they're looking for the Holy Grail, and Indiana Jones has to walk across this, this chasm. I guess there's this canyon or something. And he's standing on a cliff, and he's looking out, and it just looks like this drop, you know? There's, there's nothing there. And he's supposed to just step out. And then he takes these, I think he takes some duster rocks and throws it over. And when he throws it over, it reveals like there's this platform that couldn't be seen. Yeah. He just needed to take that step. And it was there. And sometimes, you you know, you take the step and the ground appears beneath your feet. But we have to be willing to take that step. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with structure. Sometimes, and I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in in our time praying with God and our time in scripture 
it, you know, influ- influences and informs how we take those steps. Like, I, I don't think God's never given me a, a blueprint for, for the week. God's never given me a blueprint for my life and said, here's the structure of what your entire life is going to look like. Yeah. Now, I think God absolutely will use structure in segments and, and guide our hearts to structure. He's not a God. The word says he's not a God of disorder. So there's, we'll absolutely employ structure to do things, but that doesn't trump walking in faith. That doesn't trump, okay, Lord, where's the next step? Uh, I don't, I'm not, I, I need to take a step, you know, even though I don't know what's going to come next. So again, context is important. How do we use, do we use structure? It's like, okay, God asked me to do this thing. All right, I'm going to do these things to get this thing done. Yeah. Or God's putting on my heart to, to accomplish this. All right, I need to employ structure. But, hey, next week, what is, I got to the end of that, that plan. What now? Okay, Lord, help me understand um, what I need to do next. So I think it's this, it's this balance of, yeah, we use structure, but structure is a tool. Yeah. It is not... Um, the the reference of the guide. And actually this makes me think in a way, maybe this is a stretch, maybe it's not. I'm just processing out loud here. Um, there, What if the law is structure, but the spirit of the law is, is God's will? Yeah. You know, the law, the old law, very, very clearly defined. Everything's delineated. Everything's laid out. There's very, there's a lot of specificity to it. It's, yeah. it's incredibly detailed. Um, but when Jesus was asked about the law, he didn't go into those details. He's like, well, yeah, there's love God and love people. And there's countless ways that we love God and love people that isn't exactly, you know, enumerated in the law. Heck, this morning... Uh, I'll shout out to the guy at Circle K this morning. There's a there's a um, a cashier there named Steve. Guy's always nice. I go in there and I get cheap coffee at Circle Circle K every every morning. So I go there this morning, and uh, he just gave me a coffee for free. Yeah, amazing. I don't know why he gave me a coffee, and I understand this is just cheap Circle K coffee. But I remember that. That's like man, that was. That was cool. That was nice. Like, you didn't have to give me a coffee. He said it's like I don't know, free coffee Wednesday. He said that, but I don't really know if that's a thing. I think he was just being nice. Yeah. Because free coffee Wednesday, doesn't that, that kind of doesn't sound like. No. Doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like a stroke of marketing genius. <laughs> I mean, free coffee Wednesday. But like, my, my point is sometimes um, God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus will just put something on our heart to do. And we're not necessarily looking at an item of law yeah. or a checklist or something or a structure or a plan. It's like, man, I just I just felt like reaching out to this person, giving them a call or inviting this person to lunch or inviting this person to coffee or sending this person a nice message. Heck, another friend of mine this morning, again, speaking of how God just works through the Holy Spirit, um, a friend of mine this morning just... Friend of mine, Andrew, uh, drummer, you know Andrew. Oh, yeah. Andrew just reaches out. Hey, man. Love it. God just put you on my heart. How are y'all doing? 
And what I love about those interactions, what I love about it when those things happen is in my mind, it's kind of like a twofer. I love and appreciate my friend Andrew because he reached out. I love him more because he does things like that. But it also, that action, no matter how small, is bearing God's image and is reflecting God's concern for me. Like if he reached out, well, God put me on his heart, so he reaches out to me. So that tells me not only does my friend care about me and is he concerned about me, but it also, you know, tells me I'm on God's heart. And I can sit here at home and think God loves me and I can read scripture and I can read the truths and I can do that. And that's powerful. Scripture, the Bible is, is transforming. It changes lives. But I'll tell you this, it feels a little different when someone is the embodiment of scripture. It feels different if I say here and I, and I say, I know God loves me. And I read John 3.16 and I read scripture talking about how much God loves me. That makes me feel a certain kind of way. But when a real person, like a, a literal, real is the wrong word, but like a, a, a person in the flesh embodies that reality, embodies God's love. That hits you different. It really does. And it's interesting because that happened this morning. And right when you came over before we started, we were talking about how I was having this, this hard conversation with, with a family member. And it's, it's almost as if my friend and reached out before Hey, how are you doing? Just thinking about you. And then several minutes later, I'm having this really difficult conversation with family. I love it when God works like that. It just, it just reminds me that we are, I am on his heart. We are on his heart all the time. And God uses people to remind us of that. But it's also really empowering for us because um, if someone can embody God's love for me and remind me, that means I can do that for others too. So if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, God put somebody on my heart, then we are in a position, if we're listening to God, we're in a position to, to remind them, hey, God's thinking about you. Yeah. If we'll just be obedient to that. But like our, often I, I get so busy or we get so busy that we're not listening for that. So we don't do it. But think about how powerful it is if you reach out to someone and it it reminds them and they're questioning, does God, does God hear me? Does God see me? Does God know where I am? Or does he, is he even concerned? And us simply reaching out to them can be that reminder. And the way I like to think of it is, you know, Lord, let them, uh, in those moments, it's like they see us but feel Jesus. I'm sorry, that was a little unstructured. No, that was great. Well, you know, the whole entire time that you were talking about the uh, Indiana Jones platform, I kept thinking, what if Peter needed to throw sand into the ocean in order for him to feel comfortable to step out? Hmm. Like, God, are you sure? I mean, he did question it. He's like, well, looking at the waves. I don't know if I want to do this, but what a perfect picture of like how unstructured things need, don't need to be in order for him to move. 
and you talked about taking that first step, like getting out of that boat. Imagine what it would have felt like to feel water at the bottom of your feet on top of the ocean. And then seeing Jesus there at the other side, just saying, come here. I think that's what it feels like for some people stepping out in ministry. For them, they step out. God calls them into ministry. God calls them to go do something. And for some, it's like you're just stepping out of that boat. And then when you don't sink, that's evidence of God's faithfulness. But even with Peter, just because that first step was solid and he wasn't sinking didn't mean the second step was solid. Because he had to keep, I mean, the word says when he took his eyes off Jesus. He started falling. Yeah, so we can't take it for granted. It's we take that first step, we're doing that thing that God has called us to do. We take the first step, everything's going to be great. Just like um, last time we talked about forgiveness being a choice and a choice sometimes that we have to make daily. I think following Jesus and taking those steps, following him and looking to him, that's a choice that we have to make daily too. So sometimes we take that first step and it's solid because our eyes are on him and we take the next step and we start sinking because we got distracted. It's like with every step, we need to make that, we need to make that choice. Like, Lord, I'm going to look to you in every situation. And I'll say it again. I said it before. It's like, I need him every single day. I need him every minute because I have an incredible, an epic capacity to mess things up. Bro. I do. We all do. That's why I need him all the time because I can mess things up in a heartbeat, literally in a heartbeat. So I need him. I need to feel my hand in his all the time. Because I'll take that first step. I'm doing great. You know, you start feeling like, wow, look, look what I just did. This Man, this is good. I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, in looking at yourself and, you know, you get full of yourself. Like, wow, I just did that. Well, we're doing that while we're looking at ourselves. Yeah. We're not looking at him. We take that next step. We start sinking. It's like, oh, okay. And Jesus is like, I'm still here. I'm right here. Where are you looking? You're looking up after you're drowning, grabbing onto his hand. <laughs> yeah, and we can and we can do it in in an epic way too, of failure. It's interesting because I was talking to my buddy the other day, and um, you know he's going through some like medical um, issues and. Uh, and it's, you know, the process of him getting to, to the moment. Actually, he's, he's right now in, in multiple appointments throughout the day today to kind of figure out some like last resort testing and figuring out, you know, where they can find out if there's something wrong or if there's not something wrong and it's just kind of like his body getting older and doing things. But as we were, as we were chatting, we were talking about the podcast and he was asking just a a ton of questions on um, some ideas and where we are going with things. We got to the conversation of how do you know God's voice? And he went through this whole process of information. He's like, Oh, you gotta, 
gotta, you know, uh, you gotta pray to him, you gotta call on him, and you gotta do da 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 all the way down. <clears throat> and I was like, but hold up, but that's not the that's not the answer I'm looking for. I was like, how do you know God's voice? Like, how do you know it's God speaking? And he was, and then he went back to the process. And I was like, okay, let me ask you a different way. If you're in a crowd of people and your daughter calls out to you, do you know her voice? And he's like, well, yeah, I know it's my daughter. I was like, how do you know that? He's like, I know my daughter. I know her voice. And I was like, well, it's the same idea. What I was trying to get to is to hear God's voice, you need to spend time with him. It's just like any relationship. And that is keeping your eyes on him, is listening for him and learning his voice so that in the moments of chaos or when you're about to step out, whenever he speaks, you hear him. And and in, in that moment, he kind of had a revelation of like, oh, shoot, I didn't really like think of that process. And I think that's one of the things that what I'm trying to get at is you can't, with structure and, and process, uh, it doesn't beat relationship. And that's huge. Even for me, as, as I was telling him this, I was preaching to myself because I'm like, oh, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling like I want to spend time with God. I don't feel like, I don't have that zeal of like, oh, let me go sit in my room and you know, open up scripture and read and, but when I do it, it's like, man, this is what I needed. This is, you know. Um, and so what I'm learning to set myself up for for that is throwing down some worship music and letting that sink in. And then, and then at that point, my heart's in a position to go and receive from him and hear from him and, and, and have the zeal to spend time with him. Uh, I don't know where I was going with this, but I think it relates in a lot of ways. I love that, that you didn't know where you were going with it. Cause that's, that's how our conversations were when we started doing this. Yes, we didn't, we didn't know where we were going. We just kept talking. Yeah. And then we both love Jesus and we keep talking and then he starts guiding our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know his, his voice? I don't, God will never speak. Um, in a way that doesn't align with scripture. Good. So I think the better we know scripture, the more readily we'll recognize his voice. Mm. Yet another reason that we should be in scripture, because that is his inspired word. Mm. So if we're saying is God speaking, well, well, let's start with what he's already spoken. Mm. <laughs> he yeah. Already, he already spoke all of that. I, I mean, have we have we gotten through all of that already? I was uh, at church on Sunday. Darren was talking about the ways of worship, right? Like the different types of worship. And he, he ended off with um, Psalm 42.5 and Psalm 103. And it... it it convicted me in the way that I needed because I think uh, like within Psalm 42, five, I'll just read it real quick. This is in the NIV version. Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And and I feel like this season I have felt like David. And I think I've, I've, we've talked about this in the past where I'm like, man, I feel my emotions going back and forth like the ocean and the way the Psalms are written and how David is like chaos one minute. And then like the next few sentences out of his mouth is, but God, you are great. And he's praising and he's lifting up his God's name and he's getting himself pumped up, right? Like reminding himself of the blessings of who God is. Um, and it's, it was, it was a moment where I, I felt like I, I got that, uh, that push that I needed mm-hmm. in scripture, just what you're talking about. It feeds us, right? It's God's, you know, it's, his, it's him, embo- his, his embodiment, embodying, embody, embodiment, embodiment, um, and his word. And it was that push that I needed to remind me that even David felt like, dude, I don't want to do this. And I feel like that a lot of the time, especially in this season where I'm like, I, I just do not want to, I don't want to sit in quiet time. I don't, I'd rather flip through Instagram and waste my life away on watching dumb videos. Um, but that conviction that day is what I needed to push me into the reminder of, man, there's so much blessing when you just lean into just opening scripture and reading it and just let God do his thing. Even if nothing changes, you're changing internally. And there's a lot of power in that encouragement that he gives us. So I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail because you said something about changes and changes us. Um, I was talking to somebody about prayer. And we were talking about praying for others and we know that, that prayer changes things, that prayer... You know, um, prayer has an effect. And I was having this this conversation. It was something I'd never thought about before. But, um, you know, when God puts somebody on your heart, somebody that's struggling or they're, they're dealing with, a, you know, a marital situation or a medical situation or whatever whatever crisis they happen to be in, and God puts them on your heart. So you start praying for them. And what occurred to me is they were on God's heart before they were ever on mine. So when I start praying to God about someone, I'm not bringing him any news. And God loves them, so isn't he already doing something to act in them? And I know that God loves them. And if he already knows that they're going through something, then I'm sure that he is sovereign and a loving God, and he is moving for them already. So then the question that occurred to me is, well, then why do I need to pray? They were on his heart before they were on my heart. And I struggled with that question for a while. It's like, so why do I pray? 
Well, sometimes I think praying has more to do with changing me than changing God. I think sometimes praying is God sharing his heart with us so that we will cry out for others and feel for others what he is already feeling for them. And in in doing that, helping us to become more like him and helping us to understand him. So I think sometimes prayer has to do, or often, prayer has to do more with, with changing us than getting him to go change something else. And in that, I think also what happens is when it changes us, um, maybe we go do things that we wouldn't have done before. We start thinking about how much God loves that person and what we want God to do for them. And then I think, I think through that, sometimes God speaks to us to the point where we don't just pray, but we start doing something. Yeah, I was sitting here praying for my friend who's struggling and, you know, who's going through cancer treatments, treatments, or I'm praying for my friend who's, who's, um, who's struggling in his marriage. And I was praying, and at a certain point in my prayer, I got up off my knees, and I went to them. I think that's the way that prayer works sometimes. Like we're saying, God, go take care of that situation. And God's like, well, why do you think I put it on your heart? Because I, maybe he wants us to do something. Not that praying, I absolutely believe in the supernatural power of prayer and that it engages, you know, things in the spiritual world. I, I do. I believe that. And also, I believe sometimes we pray and and then God helps us come to the realization that, okay, now it's time to do. I'll take a minute to process that because that was heavy. <clears throat> um, about a year and a half ago, there was a conversation that I had with somebody. I'm not going to, I'm not going to direct uh, who this person was just for privacy reasons, but they asked the same question and there was a person going through cancer treatment and uh, I said, what's the point of prayer if God's going to do what he's going to do? And my response to that was, well, we pray for faith. Like we, we're, we're calling out and we're giving it and surrendering it to God. I think in the moment it was a, I was trying to give direction on surrender. And uh, so that they weren't holding on to it and letting it bear the weight of the questioning and the doubt and all of that. Because we all do it, you know, even um, in any situation, you lose a job, you, you know, whatever it could be, there, there will probably be doubt somewhere in there. 
maybe it's not in God. Could have been doubting your abilities or your giftings, whatever that that be. Um, but knowing that and hearing that, I wish I would have been able to communicate what you just said to them in that moment. Because I think in the in in the chaos, they were looking for something to hold on to. And I didn't recognize it then of and all they wanted was just for Jesus to come in and calm them, their chaos, their storm inside. Even if it didn't calm everything else down. Because that individual continued to go through cancer treatment and thank God they're, you know, they're, uh, they're healed. Um, but still, uh, man, that's a, that's, that's a heavy, I'm probably going to go home and process that for the rest of the day because it was a moment that I saw in real life, this person struggling with, and I wish I had what I know now to be able to communicate that then. It's, um, in our prayer, I think it's being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Even when we're praying, like, okay, God, what? I'm having this conversation, but having an ear ready to hear, um, listening for, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Is there something that I can do in this situation? And is there something that, that God is leading me to do in this situation. Um, but I think it's just, it's important to be just having that listening ear in prayer, but also be willing, being willing to, to just do something. And I think a lot of times it's not even anything that profound. I mean, it's not, sometimes it's small things. You just reach out. Sometimes you just, there was a, um, I know for me, so many of these things, I've been on the receiving end. And that's what's influenced how I feel about this, is I've been on the receiving end of, of blessings, you know, that, that God has expressed through people. Yeah, there's one, uh, one friend of mine, Larry, he's an older gentleman. He's probably in his 70s. And um, we got to know each other and we, we've talked a lot. And one of the things, we've shared this before, one of the things that I struggled with being younger was being unseen or being overlooked or dismissed. And I shared that with him and there's been a lot of healing and we talked about that. And and ever since we had that conversation and got to know each other, seemingly randomly, Larry will send me a text of just two little eyeballs. And every time he does, it's a reminder that I'm seen. It's a reminder that, that he sees me, but more importantly, that, that, God, that I'm seen by God. Now, normally, you know, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not struggling with that. I don't have that issue. But we all have, you know, I think our lives can be volatile. Some days you feel great. Some days you don't feel great. Some days circumstance around you changes and... And you forget 
you forget those truths that God's revealed to you in the past. You forget his faithfulness. You forget um, how much he loves you because of the circumstance, or you question for whatever reason. And during those moments, I found that God has consistently used those around me to, to remind me. Now, God doesn't have to do that. He's given me his word, and there's personal responsibility. It's like, I need to know. I need to remember. I need to, to be diligent about seeking him. But God, in his grace and mercy, even when I fail, even when I forget and I'm not doing all the things I'm supposed to, there have been these moments where he would use individuals and also individuals would allow themselves to be used by him to reach out. And for me, it was something as, as silly as a text with two eyeballs. Just a little eyes emoji. And that changed my entire day. That changed my entire week. That I remember there was one time where he sent that. And it changed the trajectory of my day, my week my month, there's this critical point where there's stuff going on and you're struggling and it's like God's like, okay, here, hold on. Let me, let me help you out a little bit. You do a really good job of putting yourself in community. And I think this is, this is a, a real way for people to learn and I'm saying this seriously, get yourself a community in church because they're, I'm not going to say all the time, but let's say the majority of the time, people are trying to hear from God that are believers. And then they can go and act in that way. I think about a lot of friends that are not believers and they feel lonely They feel like there's no hope at the end of their season, whatever it is. And I'm the only one pouring into them in that way. But sometimes it's who's delivering the message that affects that person's ability to receive it. I'm not saying that they're not receiving it, but imagine if they had multiple people doing that. One of the challenges is, are we open? Are we looking for people? And we talked about this. We touched on this a little bit before. Is often we're looking for people that uh, look and sound just like us. We're looking for people in the same station of life that we're in. We're looking for people from the same cultural background, the same profession, the same common interests. We're looking for our people. And, well... Yeah, the, there's times where common interests or common backgrounds or things, they, they can bring us together. But in my mind, the thing that brings us all together is Jesus. And sometimes we feel lonely because we're not being engaged by the people that we want to be engaged by. But there's a whole line of people that are willing to engage us, but it's like, Oh, they don't, they don't meet our criteria, whatever that is. They're too old. They're too young. They're too affluent. They're not affluent enough. They're this culture. They're that culture. Like, 
there are these things, we go through this qualification process or we have this list of qualifications in our head that we don't always articulate. And yes, we want to be engaged. Yes, we want to be a part of a community. Um, but we, we set up this list that they have to look and act and sound and feel and, and be a certain way. And that's so limiting. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll say the same thing again. It's like walking out the gospel of Jesus begins with a person standing right in front of you. And I was thinking about, there's this tech tech guy. I think he started WordPress. He started another company called Automatic. His name is Matt Mullenweg. And I remember I read a, a quote by him and I thought it was so good to me. It was so impactful. If you ever find yourself bored in a conversation, the problem is you, not them. And I was mulling that over. I was mulling that over this past week and Paul and I were having a conversation. And uh, people will be interesting if you're interested. And the problem is we're just, often we're just not interested in the person standing in front of us. We're interested in that person over there who looks a certain way or who is charismatic or who has some quality. But I don't remember seeing a qualification in the Bible where it says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I read that as applying to every single person. So if every single person that God puts in front of me is fearfully and wonderfully made, why is it that I, I can't muster up any, any bit of interest in them? Because they're too old, because they're too young, because they're different than me. If we're interested, they will be interesting. Man. That's heavy. I think about Stu. Like we are not anywhere close to having any common interests. 60 plus year old man was in the military. Um, different ethnic culture than I am. But I care to know him. And because of that, even in the little moments that we've had together, he's been able to speak into my life in greater ways than I even anticipated. And I think it's so true. You've said it all the time. I, prior to ever doing this podcast, a lot of people are looking for this king. They're looking for this charismatic person to speak into their life. And sometimes I think they need a pastor to do that. Someone that looks good looking, certain size, body type attractive and it makes them attractive to want to know them and then you get to know the person you're like this person's a man, dumb bag of rocks or whatever whatever it is not as attractive as you thought they were going to be and then you get disappointed and you're like well who do i have left look around because if i can find relationship and be poured into by someone that is not in the same uh, setting of life that I'm in, like Stu, or even Clayton, 20-something years old, very different uh, 
position of life. Well, let me ask you this. Who can God not use in your life? Man, I'm about to go do a run around the neighborhood with that one. Who can he not use? Goodness. And I think we need to be careful too, because yeah, one of the things we talked about before was, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's the people leader that are easily, um, they easily draw others. There's people that, that draw others just because by nature of their personality, their charisma, their appearance, their age or whatever. Um, and there's people that don't, but again, walking out the gospel begins with the person in front of you. I think we need to be careful not to dismiss someone because they have all those things, because they are all those things. Because God can use them just as powerfully as he can use someone that doesn't have all those external qualities or what we see as qualities. The point is, like, God can use every one of them and we should see every one of them as, as that, like every single one of them is fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one. And that's what I love about Jesus's ministry is, I mean, he's, he's just walking across the countryside and it's like, Oh, I saw this person. I saw that person. I saw that person. And he knows this. He knows that, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. He also knows that, that they're broken. He also knows that he loves them and they need him. Like, are we approaching everyone with that? Are we, are we approaching and interacting and engaging with people around us in subsets and categories? Like, why, why do we have these subsets and categories? It's not high school anymore. I don't see the Bible directing us into cliques. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I've, I've said too much. Well, I don't even know how to end this. Outside of Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they always say in church, right? It's like the answer is always Jesus. Yeah. If they ask a question, you don't know what to just Just raise your hand and say Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It is. It really is. Jesus! Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um. What if we were to end with uh, something that people could do? That's good. Clicks are easy. Well, yeah, it's easy to hang out with people that you have a lot in common with. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Of course, that's fine. But yeah. those are the only people we hang out with. Well, then where's, where's the fun or growth in that? But something that would be fun to do, as we were talking, because I, I was nervous too, I'm like, and yeah, how do we how do we finish this out? Yeah. What if you were to approach someone and start a conversation with someone that would genuinely be surprised to see you coming? Like somebody you know? Well, let's just let's just take church for example. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're sitting in church or in another social setting that, that you're a part of. Um, and here would, be, here would be the action item. Go talk to somebody that would be surprised to see you come in to talk to them. Wow. With genuine interest. 
And if you don't have a genuine interest with him, in him, well, then take that to Jesus. Like, hey, Jesus, I don't find this person really interesting. Can you help me to see what you see when you look at him? Because if we see what he sees, they're going to become interesting. Y'all, let me tell you, be interested in them. That's where the, that's where the change of heart starts. If you're interested, they will be interesting. Well, there you go. Call to action for anybody listening. Walk up to somebody that you don't know or that you, that you know that would get pumped up that you're talking to them. Actually, I got a buddy I can call right now and do it. So, And get ready for the suspicion. <laughs> what are you trying to sell me? It's like, uh, hold on. What do you want me to buy? Actually, there's a pyramid scheme that I want you to be a part of. <laughs> You could be a millionaire in one year. Um, so good, guys. So we'll end it here and on to the next one. We'll see you next week. Sweet. Later. Later. <laughs>